0: Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number four of Revelation chapter five. And we're going to be reading verse five. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now we need to back up one verse to see why... The Apostle John was weeping in verse four. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look there on. And when we look up the word weep, the Greek word that's used here translated as weep. And, and also the same word in verse five where um, one of the elders says unto him weep not that this word is often used in connection with death when um the the young girl had died and the lord said to the mourners that were present weep not for she is not dead but sleepeth that is the same word It's the same word used in connection with the death of Lazarus while he was in the tomb. Many times, the majority of times, this particular word is used. It involves weeping and death. That somehow the crying, the weeping is related to death. And here we wonder, well, what is the seriousness? Why is the apostle John weeping just because this book is sealed and, and he says the reason that he is weeping is, is just that because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon or to see it. As that word look is more often translated as see. No one is worthy to open to read the book nor to see. Now, of course, as uh, verse five tells us, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. That uh, and we'll see as we get more into this verse that. It is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is uh, able to do that which no man previously would be able to do. No man anywhere, no matter where you look for a man, was able to open and read and see the writing of this sealed book. And so uh, John is weeping and the Lord uh, is giving instruction and comfort, really, and saying, no, weep not. And then verse 6 goes on to say, And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts, or four living creatures, and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, "Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain." And has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So there's, there's no question Jesus is able and worthy to, uh, to do what man could not. And we understand from many other places in the Bible that it would take a sinless man in order to offer up the proper sacrifice for sin. It would take a perfect man, a man with no blot, no transgression, and also a God-man, because not only would he have to offer up himself for one other individual, but for a, a great number, as the stars of the sky for multitude, the Bible says, and all of their sins. And all of their guilt and all the weight and burden of their filthy deeds would be laid upon one man and one man only, the Lord Jesus Christ, eternal God, Jehovah, the Savior of his elect people. And no man was able to, to even begin to go about performing that tremendous atoning work on, on the behalf of others. No one was qualified to do this, but eternal God who entered into the human race to make manifest what he had done from the foundation of the world. Eternal God is the only one who could do it, the only one worthy. But what does all of that have to do? And, and, and it does have to do with the sealed book that's the real puzzle here that's the real question because we know the book is the bible and we know that it was god's plan to seal up the word until the time of the end and and here we find that book in the right hand of god sealed with seven seals and and the question was asked in verse two who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof, and that's when the apostle John, writing under the inspiration of God as he's being given this vision, it begins to weep because no man is found worthy. Oh, but there is one. Yes, there is one, the Lord Jesus. And, and we, we understand, we quickly see this is all referring to the atonement. It, it has to do with the death that Christ died on behalf of his people for the sake of his elect. But what we're not seeing too clearly is how does that atoning work of Christ identify and relate to the sealed book of the Bible, which would be sealed until the time of the end. Why is it necessary for Jesus to be found worthy in order for him to open the book. And, and, and why could no man uh, be found? Why was no man worthy to open the book? And, and, uh, well, this is the curious thing about this passage. And really, when we read this whole chapter, there, God, in other words, is making a very big deal out of the fact that the Lord Jesus was qualified to open the book and did open up the book the bible it is not a small matter we uh, and and that means that we should never think little of what god has done in unsealing the scriptures in our day, at this time of the end, this is a, an incredibly important thing in God's program. This is not a minor thing, an obscure thing, unimportant, but it is very major. It, it is a tremendously important aspect of God's program of salvation and judgment. It is tied to the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is tied to his atoning work that God would, in the process of time, according to his timetable of times and seasons for this world, open up the seals that had bound the holy book, the Bible, at the time of the end. And, and it would take a worthy Savior, it would take a pure and perfect Savior, the Lord Jesus, in order to accomplish this. Well, uh, now we, we want to think about this, and since we're going verse by verse, we're going to have plenty of time to think about this and pray for wisdom and, and, uh, spend a little bit of time Dwelling upon it as as we go verse by verse, because this is the uh, overriding emphasis of Revelation five is the worthiness of the lamb. And because he was worthy, this uh, permits him to open up the book, the Bible. Well, let's read here in verse five of Revelation five. And one of the elders saith unto me. Weep not, and first of all, we have to correct this because literally, the the verse should read, "One out of the elders saith unto me, Weep not." the The word "one" is here, but the word "out of" is not translated in our King James, and. Yes, there were twenty-four elders, and when we read one of the elders, we think, well, one of the elders is speaking to John, when, uh, when it ought to read one out of the elders. Now that's uh, an important distinction because in verse six, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slain. So the lamb is in the midst of the elders. And in verse 5 again. And one out of the elders saith unto me. Now God is one. He is the sovereign one. He is the eternal deity. And the almighty. And the number one identifies with him. He is, uh, in the midst of the elders. Christ is the Lamb. And so he is the one who is responding to the Apostle John. And, and that, uh, figures because it is God that comforts his people. It is God that soothes our souls and, and our troubled minds when we're weeping, when we're downcast. It is the Lord that speaks the word. To encourage our hearts. And so to hear. And one out of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now the phrase, the lion of the tribe of Judah is being pulled all the way from the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 49, when the sons of Jacob uh, were were gathered together before him, and he began to address each one of them as God moved him to do so, prophesying concerning them. And it was said of Judah, in Genesis 49 verse 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp, From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Well, here in in this passage, Judah is uh, spoken of as a lion's well And it is a prophecy referring to the Lord Jesus who will come forth from the tribe of Judah. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The, the words that Jacob spoke long ago before his death in Egypt as he, he said these words to his sons and, and to Judah himself is pointing to the Lord that will come through the loins of uh, well uh, in the sense that that he is a son of David through Mary uh, through the loins of Judah and will be born into the tribe of Judah many centuries from this point and the scepter and a king uh, rules with a scepter and The Lord Jesus Christ is the king of kings shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver. And who is a lawgiver but a judge? There is one judge and lawgiver. We read in James and there it's referring to God and nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And here also Shiloh is a reference to Christ. So Jesus is the lion Of the tribe of Judah and he is the one that is spoken of in Revelation 5 5 behold the lion of the tribe of Judah that is Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy given by Jacob in Genesis 49 and it goes on to say the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and again the root of David. David also was of the tribe of Judah, and Christ is one of his descendants, um, not through his earthly stepfather Joseph, but through his mother, as the father of Jesus is uh, God Himself, and uh, as uh, Christ was conceived and born of a virgin, and and so the root of David is a reference to uh, the fact that Christ came forth from the descendants of David. In Isaiah chapter 11, we read, beginning in verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. Now it says here Jesse, but Jesse was the father of David, and it could uh, just as well be the root of David. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious, and shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, and, and so on. It begins to speak of God's salvation program. And in that day there will be a root of Jesse, This is referring to Christ. In Isaiah 53, there's a follow-up statement, beginning in verse 1, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of Jehovah revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And it, it continues on in every statement found in Isaiah 53 is wonderfully describing Christ himself. He is the one that uh, came up as a root out of a dry ground. The, the word root is referring to the Lord. Now, um, in Matthew 13, we might as well look at this while looking at these other verses because it helps us to understand very clearly When when you do a word search like this, it, it just um, pops out very, very clear. In Matthew 13, with the parable of the sower, it says in verse 20, But he that received the seed into stony places... The same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doreth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. And, and, and that's it. Well, I'm, I'm going away. I'm, I'm returning to the world. I'm going back to church. I'm just, getting away from these teachings that are so offensive and, and troubling to me. I, I, I cannot bear the the problems, the difficulties, the persecution they bring. But no matter what the, the reason is, the real reason that someone is not enduring during a time of testing or tribulation, is because he has not root in himself. And we can very definitely understand that to be a reference to the Lord Jesus, the root of David, the root of Jesse, the root that springs up out of a dry ground. He has not the spirit of Christ within, and therefore he is not equipped. He he just simply is not able to endure and this is why God says in Matthew 24 the one that endures to the end shall be saved he's not saying that uh, well now everyone you just hold on with white knuckles you you grab a hold of something and use all of your strength and and make sure that you stand fast and no when God says that only those that endure to the end, he's indicating those that have a root in themselves. They therefore will endure because Christ is within. It's not a matter of their strength, their willpower or their stubbornness or their um, steadfastness, their faithfulness. It's only a matter of who is in them. And, And without the root, within then they will only endure for a period of time that period of time can be different from one unsaved person to a next but the the qualifier is a period of time for some it's very quick for others they might hang on for a while but finally they have no root and they will not endure god is certainly making sure of that in this severe day of testing that we're presently in. Well, once again, we see in our verse in Matthew 5, let's go back there, that uh, one of the elders saith unto me, or one out of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, both are referring to Jesus, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof, hath prevailed. It's referring to, it's speaking of a past event, that Christ hath prevailed from the foundation of the world. Jesus prevailed. He entered into the human race, and he submitted himself to testing uh, when, when Satan tested him for 40 days, he submitted himself to testing throughout his period of ministry. He submitted himself to punishment a second time, even though he was not bearing sin and all these things. He was victorious and he overcame any and all efforts to oppose him in the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus hath Prevailed. This word prevailed is the same word that we encountered time and again in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 regarding the churches when the Lord would say, He that overcometh in each one of the addresses to the churches. This is the same Greek word that was translated as overcometh and it has to do with being victorious with Prevailing, as it's found in John sixteen in verse thirty three these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, or I have prevailed over the world, um, he has already won the victory. Christ has already defeated the enemy because he did it from the foundation of the world. He did it before the world even began. And here this uh, glorious, victorious work of the Savior, the atonement work that, that he did for the sake of all whose names were recorded in the Lamb's book of life, is being called upon and brought to remembrance, because if not for that, then no one would be able to open the book. No one would be able to loose the seals. And if that didn't happen, well, then God's end-time program would not have come to pass. God would not have saved a great multitude during the time of the Great Tribulation. God would not have been able... To complete his salvation plan because the overwhelming majority of individuals predestinated to salvation were to be born and live during the little season that came right at the end of the world. And, and so it was absolutely necessary that the Lord hath prevailed. And of course, uh, if Jesus did not prevail, not only would the book uh, not be open, but there would be no salvation program at all at any period of history. Well, when we get together in our next Bible study, we're going to look more at this idea, this connection that God makes between the opening of the Bible at the time of the end and the atoning work of the Lord.